put something else on. You don't walk in there with track Adidas trackies, ankle socks, and a pair of trainers. <laughs> Welcome back to the Pitchside Podcast. I hope you're all well. Thanks for listening again this week. Uh, we have got plenty to talk to you about this week. Uh, a mad weekend for sport on the whole, isn't it? Rugby in particular. Uh, we've got a lot to catch up on. Jules, how are you? Very well, mate. Actually, a, a, a lovely weekend. Feeling pretty fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've caught up on my sleep now. <laughs> after I was running on about six hours collectively over the last three days. Yeah. I passed out last night at about 9.30. Um, so I'm feeling well, well rested. Saturday was, uh, Friday morning for both of us was an interesting one. Jules and I decided we would commit and get up at 6.05 to watch the first game of Super Rugby Altidoa, uh, the Crusaders game, which in hindsight was a really good idea. We paid for the description. Fantastic decision. Yeah. Get up, watch it before a lecture. It's not going to be a good game. Um, five forty is a lot earlier than you think, folks, and it's very hard to get up at five forty and then churn your way through a lecture as well. But we'll get on to Super Rugby a bit later on. Um, there's only one place to start this week. Um, although it's Monday and we've had a couple of days to simmer and let it stew, it still runs very deep. What happened in Cardiff on Saturday afternoon? Give us your initial initial thoughts on it. It's very fresh in the mind, isn't it? And I've had a lot of texts from a lot of people saying, please don't go too heavy on Monday morning. Um, but there is only really one place to start, and that's with the refereeing decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are only two refereeing decisions that I think a lot of people will point to, but I think the overall performance um, was, was pretty dark. Yeah. Um, so let's get on to uh, the first incidents. Um, try scored by... Was it Josh Adams in the end? Yeah, Josh Adams, yeah. By Josh Adams. I mean, I don't know what's running through... Uh, Pascal Gilzer. Sorry, I completely mind. I believe I've got his name. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Pascal's mine. He clearly walks up to Overswam, have a word with your team, take a minute, 30 seconds, 40 seconds, whatever you need, yeah. just talk to your team, I'm giving you time off. The, the key there the key to there is time he off. says time off. Yeah. Yeah. So that's every indication to Faz and the rest of the team that they've got however, many, however much time he's going to give them to just talk, yeah. simmer down, relax. Because we were giving a lot of penalties away. Mm. There were no complaints about that. And then, out of nowhere, he walks back over to Dan Bigger, blows the whistle, game played. The only player that is walking away from that huddle, the England huddle at that point, because they're done talking, is George Ford. Mm. He's the only one, and he's the one that eventually goes over to cover Josh Adams. Yeah. Every single water boy on both sides is still on the field of play. Yeah. Even the Welsh team aren't aware that the game is being restarted. So, yeah, so what's happened is, as Gozer's walked back over to Dan Bigger, at no point has he said, time on. He's blown his whistle and put his hand up. Dan Bigger's then said, can we play? He's blown his whistle. If, as, they, as they recap that, this is why the TMO is there. This is where the TMO exactly. has to step in and exactly. say, Pascal, you haven't said time on. Even on the TV, you watch the replay, the watch is still stopped. So there's no point where, and like you say, there's four England Morse carriers on the pitch. And Farrell then goes up, and he gets a lot of stick for this. The fact he goes up to, goes there after and says, hang on a minute. We're all facing the other way, 20 yards away. We've got less than half a second to try and even think about reacting. And then there's four water carriers on the pitch. And Farrell, Farrell walks over to Gozer and says, what the fuck, mate? Like, genuinely, what, what are you doing? So, yeah, that was... Um, I mean, you, could, you can't even argue that England should have been switched on because they've got actually no time to even think about 
defensively setting up there. I mean, I, I feel like from the time he says time off to the period where he then blows his whistle to allow play to continue, I mean, I think it was, what, 10, 15 seconds? I mean, just, I mean nowhere near enough time to get your players yeah, together when he's and calibrate what's going Charles on. To go exactly. and speak to them, because he said last warning in, that, in the 22. So, yeah, that was... Um, again, and I, I don't want to highlight... A game of rugby, a lot of rugby fans, it's very different to football where the referees get an awful lot of stick for decisions they make and players will huddle around referees. This weekend, this, this game in particular, I think people are justified in their anger and their frustration towards those two calls. The second one, which we'll talk about now, it doesn't happen very often, but I think Gozer needs, needs to have this like, looked at and highlighted because they fully changed the momentum of the whole game and they fully swung the game, not just the scoreline, but the momentum of the game back in Wales's favour. When England was starting to or either on the ropes or starting to get back into the game, it really did put the nail in England's coffin twice. So, yeah, and the second decision, um, I mean, again, how, just how this has even come about, it'd be on me, frankly. I, yeah, I don't know what you're I completely on agree. Spot. And people, you know, after the game and during the TMO, I mean, like you've said, this is why the TMO is there. Mm. You know, things like, we've seen it in football a lot with VAR, just getting decisions completely wrong because they don't look at factors surrounding the incident, such as handball and stuff like that. They don't look at context behind it. Lewis rees Samet, there isn't a moment in that phase where it's touching his hand and he's in control of that ball. No. No. You know, it, it's, it's ridiculous. I don't know how they can interpret that as, well, he's taken the ball, he's got it in control, and then it's fallen onto his. I think it came off his knee or something and then went onto his boot or something like yeah. that. Yeah, so the initial argument was that he got past the ball. I'm not sure who gave him the pass, but he's, he's received the ball and it's behind him. So the pass is fine, but the fact that it's behind him, it's hit his, I think it's come off his, I think it's come off his back hand, onto his front hand, then onto his boot, then he's, as he's in the motion of running, kicked it forward. Mm. So a kick is when you've caught the ball, you're in control of it, and you drop it onto your foot. Mm -hmm. In any normal state of play, if a player goes to catch the ball and they drop it and fumble over it, or they knock it forward, it's blatantly a knock on. But the fact that, goes there again and thinks it's gone backwards and then he's kicked it. Even if it's gone backwards, it's still not in control. It's still, you've still not caught the ball cleanly. Um, and then you run the tape on and you can see when you watch it, even live time, the Wales players stop. Apart from Williams who scores the try, he stops. Farrell chases him, the England boys pull up and think, well, that's... If you watch it in real time, it's a knock-on. The first replay is so obvious. Um, so yeah, and then the TMO manages to justify it and say... Yeah, he's knocked it backwards, he's onto his foot, play on, and I don't care who you support. That, if England scored that try, we both said, yeah, we were saying it so game, lucky. And I think it's pretty telling when you've got, you know, one of Wales' best ever players, best ever captain, sat in the punditry mm -hmm. box, saying, yeah, but I mean, with both decisions, they're just blatantly yeah. wrong. Mm -hmm. And this is someone that, you know, he's Wales till he died, Sam Warburton. And I mean, it's just, it's just ridiculous. But you take the two decisions away from this game because let's face it they probably did ruin the balance of the match I actually thought this was England's best performance so far uh, in the Six Nations without that yeah I think attacking wise I thought Farrell looked great I think he looked like he was returning to his best his best uh, form Anthony Watson I mean a word on him I thought he was brilliant that finish yeah his try was well, yeah. superb superb um, and, and once again I don't think Wales were particularly great um, and, and Wayne Pivak will come off the back of this you know he, he was being praised after the match he said I saw a lot of 
journalists and pundits saying that Wales were brilliant and they deserved to win. I don't think they did at all. I don't think there was one moment in that match, maybe apart from the first 15 minutes, 15, mm. 20 minutes, where I thought, yeah, Wales deserve, deserve what they've got yeah. at the moment. I don't. No, I totally agree. Um, I, I, my only two mentions for Wales, Falatau, who did get man of the match. Mm. I mean, fair play, he was... He's a workhorse all the time, but he was brilliant. <coughs> fairness, ball he's carrying. consistently brilliant. Yeah, um, for yeah. Bath and for Wales, he's been brilliant. And Kieran Hardy at nine, he was pretty sharp off the base, scored a really good tap-and-go try. Um, he, was, he was good. Actually, I thought he was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. and Sheedy played very well off the bench. He kicked his goals. Um, but for England, um, the, big, the big one in my eyes was Billy Vinopola. Came out in the week and said, mm. look, I'm not happy with how I've been playing. I know I haven't been playing for Saracens short of game time, but he really fronted up. He was, Wales were kicking the ball to him a lot. He was in backfield and he was... We highlighted, well, we it, highlighted yeah. it during the game and I thought it was interesting that Wales, how much they were kicking. Mm. Um, because every time that he was given the ball, I mean, he was making metres like it was it was nothing. He's the kind of player, when he gets the ball and he's running from distance, you, you sit up and you see him and Billy's going to rock something. Well, it's like the old Billy. Because I think over yeah. the last year or so, ignoring COVID, maybe even two years, since the World Cup actually, I think, where he was outstanding, I think he's one of England's best players, if not the mm. best player at that World Cup. He's all, it's like he's lost his physical edge. I think a lot of people, I, yeah. I, I thought that he, he didn't look as strong as he once did. But, I mean, on Saturday, he looked like yeah. he was, I think I think he, best. just a bit of, um, sort of, there's a real, a test match in itself is going to, your intensity goes up a bit, but England v Wales in Cardiff, it goes up another level. And I think Billy really, and actually Farrell as well, really both of them fronted up. Um, Farrell making tackles below the shoulder line for once, which was really nice to see, and some good positive shots he made. Uh, and Tom Curry was, you know, that boy so, will go for hours, he'll super. go for days, yeah. Um, but what I'd like, what will be interesting to see now from Eddie Jones this week, they'll, I'm sure England will take the positives out of that game. They'll scrap it and they'll move on. Um, but there'll be a really interesting decision for him now whether he sticks with that side that actually, you know, on the face of it, like we said, definitely deserved to win that game. Or he says, you know what, the championship's gone. We're not going to win the title. Let's just make some changes. Maybe bring in the likes of a Dogwoo. Uh, maybe see Ben Al get a start. So it'll be interesting to see what he does from here, really. I'm quite keen to see that. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it, was, it was positive. And I think what I really liked from both Eddie Jones and Owen Farrell, um, who, who got pretty hounded in their pre-match uh, press conferences and interviews, um, they were both, look, just move on. Let's yeah. just move on. Ignore it. Ignore what's happened today. We're not here to talk about the referees. You know, it is what it is. And, and I thought that was pretty sensible yeah. for the pair of them. Because it could have been very easy. You know, someone I thought in that situation wouldn't be the most friendly of people to talk to is Michael Checker. I can imagine things going very differently <laughs> if it was him sat in the press conference and not Eddie Jones. But I um, respect to both of them for, for, for reacting in the way that they Definitely. did. I mean, if you look on the face of it, just go through some of the stats. England's penalty count was too high. That is undeniable. England gave away 14 penalties, which is which is too much. Itoje gave away five, I oh, think. Yeah, he was out of sorts. On, like, he made that, he made a really good charge down early doors again um, and made a nuisance of himself around the park, but he is a penalty merchant on his day. Well, he's a player, he loves playing on the edge. He does, yeah, exactly. That's how he plays. Yeah. He plays his rugby on, yeah. on the edge of the rules. Um, possession and territory-wise, Wales had 55% of the ball and played 55% of the game in England's half. So England were at no stage dominated in either of those areas um, so yeah I think Pivak will count himself well he'll be praised the most but he's a pretty lucky man I think to come out of that it was really tough to see him celebrating at full time like they'd like they'd put together the most perfect performance of dominating because that was far from what happened it would have been easier to take what happened on Saturday in terms of the refereeing decisions had for the you know, subsequent minutes in the game 
been completely, like you said, dominated mm. by Wales. But it wasn't. We were the better side. And I think, you know, I've just said it earlier in the, uh, in the episode, and you've just said it. You know, Wayne Pivak is an incredibly lucky man yeah. right now that he yeah. has three wins uh, out of his first three games. Mm. None of which I think they would have won <laughs> had no. mitigating factors around the game not happened. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. But and well, having said that, you've still got to get the win, and they've got three from three, they and as painful it is, they are top of the table. Moving on from Cardiff into Rome, Irish domination in Rome. Irish domination, very good. Andy Farrell for one, no smiles still because the man he can't smile, but he'll be happy inside. Forty-eight ten, they came out over Italy. Twenty-seven ten at half time, the game was pretty much. Wrapped up, signed, sealed, delivered. I mean, first 20 minutes, it was... Yeah. I mean, first 10 minutes, it was pretty clear how this one was going to go. Yeah. Um, I did I did think... I didn't think it would be as much of a domination as we did see, purely because I think Ireland going forward have not looked particularly great um, so far uh, in the Six Nations. But Johnny Sexton, man, controlled the game back to uh, back to his brilliant best. Yeah. Um, I thought Keenan and Ringrose as well, 15 yeah, and 13. I yeah, I thought both of them had fantastic games. And Ringrose... Really showed his physical side in this game, I thought. I thought it was something that I've, I personally haven't noticed a huge amount about him, but yeah, really sort of lugged his weight around. Well, yeah, when he plays with um, Robbie Henshaw, Henshaw takes that role of the ball carrier at 12. So Ring Rose, you do see a lot more at 13, getting on outside shoulders. Um, he's a bit quicker than Henshaw. But actually, like you say, we saw him really front up. Italy haven't got the biggest midfield. Uh, they've got um, Carlo Canna at 12, and they've got Monty Wanapo in the wing. But actually, Ringrose um, yeah, had a really strong game. I, I've actually noted down a good time to play well with this Lions tour. Well, where, I put him in, yeah, I put him in but, my team, yeah. yeah. Uh, CJ Stander again. Um, he's, he's quality. He's Massive. really starting to hit, hit the straps. Um, Ireland made 532 metres. Italy made just 214. I mean, that, that speaks I mean, for that, itself. That speaks for itself. Uh, and Italy gave away 18 penalties, which is... You, know, you shoot yourselves in the foot if you give away more than 10 but 18 is, is criminal from uh, the Italians but yeah Ireland will be chuffed with that Craig Casey came on as well the young scrum half uh, he looks like the next sort of generation that Ireland's are starting to sort of lean towards and look towards which is good uh, because Conor Murray and Johnny Sexton aren't going to be there forever as no, much as people not. want them to be yeah and just a word on Italy Franco Smith's side moments of, of class and brilliance but it, it is normally individual brilliance with Italy than it is collective brilliance yeah. Um, Garbisi yeah. and Barney both showed moments of, of, of good rugby but it's just they just can never never hold on to that momentum they can never get anything going when they play they come up against the big boys. yeah they've, they've got to find a way with, with Varney and uh, Garbisi like you say they've got Montiwani on the wing they've got they've got a really good set of halfbacks if they can keep those two playing regularly keep them fit and give them time they're, they're only going to get better the problem for Italy is converting like you say those moments of magic and the moments of goodness of taking that of a one step forward two steps back kind of motion they need to they need to start cutting out those stupid errors those silly little bits of ill discipline when they work their way down to opposition 22 then they just give the opposition a free out or in their own 22 they suddenly invite teams in with a off your feet it's a lazy kind of holding on the floor they need to cut that out and if they can do that they are definitely showing signs this year more than ever of a team that has a bit of promise so I think, yeah, for Italy, just, they do want to keep, keep pushing and keep plugging and they all start to reap some rewards. If not this year, then maybe a bit further down the line. But, yeah, that's, uh, you can see 48 points at home. Questions are going to be asked, aren't they? They are. But I hope, once again, we, we talked about it earlier in a couple of episodes ago, I hope we don't come off the back of the Six Nations with Italy once again being questioned as to whether they should be in the competition Agreed. or not. Totally. Yeah. Um, they should be. And, yeah, no, quite and right. they're fine. There's nothing wrong with having them there. Um, no, exactly. 
Yeah, no, for sure. Um, but at least Italy got a game this weekend. At least Italy got a game, which, which leads us nicely to the sort of French madness of the COVID situation they've got. Hey, Fabio Galtier hey, calling his pants down, quite frankly. Um, now, according to reports, his job is safe. The FRF have said that they're not, they wouldn't consider getting rid of him. Rugby so game. yeah, well, I'll just explain quickly what's happened. I think it was Monday or Tuesday, mm. there was reports coming out of France uh, that there'd been a, an exposure to COVID somewhere within the camp. Of course, the Six Nations squads are all in very rigorous COVID-safe bubbles. They're all kept in um, very close uh, quarters within their teams. Um, so the French league came through, DuPont being the first big name to have caught COVID. Yeah. Followed a couple of days after Olivon, uh, Bruce Dulan. I think by the end there was about eight or ten. But was it, it was eleven. By eleven the players. Eleven of the squad were meant to play against right. Scotland. Right, had all been had all been ruled out, and then I think late in the week, might have been Thursday, the game actually got called off this weekend. Then the decision was going to be made whether it would either be forfeited by France because of their COVID exposure, or whether it was going to be postponed and rearranged, which is still up in arms. It, it is very up in arms at the moment. I don't think anyone's really sure. From what I've read sort of last night and this morning, Six Nations organisation want the game to go ahead because they want everyone to have a fair shot at what's going on. I think that decision may be changed dependent on whether Gautier himself is the one that has sort of led to this issue. But, you know, strangely, we, we've been talking about it. The idea is that the game will be played potentially as late as July. Which is ridiculous. Madness, you may as well, at that point you just have to say no. We we postpone. We no, not postpone. Sorry, we cancel. And France have to forfeit the well, match. Well, if it comes to that point, we've, after last year where we had a Six Nations that went over across about ten months yeah. and it was finished in November, October, November time. There's there's no way with a the playing schedule this year being cramped anyway because of the backlog from last season, a line potential of a Lions tour and rugby in July it, for for the sake of one game for the tournament to be finished it seems ludicrous. Um, and like I say, if Gaultier has the head coach is the one that's left the camp to go watch his son's game like it's been reported, then unfortunately France have got to be punished. And if, if that means they've got to forfeit the game then, because Scotland could be left in a position where they have to travel to Paris, you know, say in July, hypothetically, and they go lose that game, then they, you know, with a second string side. Exactly. That's completely not fair, completely unjustified on them. So hopefully they'll be able to get some more news and that'll be resolved on the Six Nations as a whole, if Wales do win this tournament via Grand Slam, via just winning the most games, is this going to be the worst side ever to win the Six Nations? Well, I was quite open about it the other day. I think it will be the worst. And if, look, I'm not, I don't want to berate Wales because I, they, they, the team as a team is a really, it's really strong. I really like Wales. And I would love to see Wayne Pivak's style of rugby that he wants to bring to that side you know, flourish. It's not flourishing at the moment, but I'm not saying it won't do eventually. But I don't see, if you look back over the last 10 years I, and you put this team up against, you know, the last decade, potentially more past that, I don't, I don't see how they, they'd get past any of them. I, I do think this will be one of the worst sides to ever win the Six Nations. There is, there is a slight transition period, like you say, with A, the way Pivak wants to play. He wants to play with the Scarlets. They put a really expansive well, style. Really nice They really flowing, chuck yeah, the ball exactly. around. Um, that's probably a little bit of his Southern Hemisphere yeah, um, personality coming through. But also with the players they've got, you know, look at the recent time. George North, 100 caps, he's 29. Yeah. It's coming towards blossoming, you could say, coming towards the end. Wilburton left a few years ago. 
Dan Berger's aging on, they're lucky. So they are in a bit of a transition period where we're seeing the likes of Reece Samet, Sheedy, Hardy, um, Halahalo came off the bench. He looks like a really exciting player. Um, clearly from the back ends of Bridge End or Port Talbot, wherever he's from in Wales. Um, but yeah, we are seeing a bit of changing the guard, so you've got to have a little bit of oh, uh, little yeah, as, of you know, course. even through these white tinted glasses that we wear, you still got to go out and, and you win s- it and yeah. turn out the results. You play so. what's in front of you. You have to take yeah. the mo- your chances the most. I mean, um, one game actually I'd allude to, which is similar, is the Sale Chiefs game this weekend. But we'll get onto that. Uh, later on, mm-hmm. when that was a you know take chances when you've got the opportunity. Mm. But anyway, quick fire questions is something that you guys would love. Get to know us. You love the banter uh, between us when it comes to this. Um, sit up in my seat and, and get set. Let's uh, let's prepare. Mm-hmm. Why don't you? Why don't you go first? Mm-hmm. Fire away. Jules, how do you have your eggs in the morning? Scrambled. Biggest turn off in a person doesn't have to be romantic. People that are having themselves. Okay. You know, people that just love themselves and right. they, they try to be the personality in the room. Blonde or brunette? Brunette. If you could listen to one song on repeat forever, what would it be? Oh, God, that's so difficult. Um, Lord Carter's Mean It in the Morning. Dream Car? Um, Jaguar X, uh, X-Type. Go-to soft drink? Coke, really, just but like proper Coke, proper full fat, classic, not, not that yeah. diet shit. Yeah. Online shopping or in-store shopping? In-store, definitely. Good man. Uh, Support local businesses. <laughs> Are you a man for a takeaway or a good home cooked meal? Oh, home cooked meal any day of the week. Yeah. I'm a celebrity or strictly come dancing. Both awful, but I'll go strictly. <laughs> strictly. I hate. I'm, I'm shocked. I, I'm shocked. It's just so awful sometimes. Okay, we'll we'll talk more. But I don't watch Strictly. But I, I mean, that's how much I dislike. Favorite board game. Cluedo. What? Which character in Office? No, Risk. I'll change that to Risk. Risk. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Which character in Office are you? Jim. And your favorite conspiracy theory. <laughs> such an idiot saying this um, the pyramids weren't built um, the way they claimed to have been okay. built okay sweet interesting man behind the mic exposing yourself a bit more this week I, know. I, like I feel like those questions were sort of there for me to be exposed a yeah. bit more um, and now we'll move on to you Mr Sam Rhymes and find out what Talk to me. you've got <coughs> if you could be any animal what would it be I'll be a dog <laughs> a domesticated dog yeah, I reckon. Well, it's a good life. A little It's a good life. Because it's similar to a human's life, I reckon. If yeah. You, so I'm happy with Well, them. get up. Yeah. Sleep, shit, eat. I mean, that is... Easy. Extreme. Yeah. Easy. Top bucket list item. Oh, my word. What, is in activity well, or yeah, anything? Best, sorry, I, yeah, best thing Ooh. to do, yeah. Um, I would love to do a bungee jump mm. in Queenstown. Good one, I'd love yeah. To do Good one. There's a big one in Auckland. Off the mm, yes, there is yeah. massive one. Yeah. Um, my cousin's done that. She said it was awful. Um, not sport, but who do you admire the most? Um, Christ. Stumped you a little bit. Yeah, I was a little bit. My dad. Yeah, no, no, perfectly reasonable. Yeah, basic. But... Like you, favorite song. <sighs> right now, it would be. 
I can't say a TikTok song. <laughs> oh, please don't. Right now, it'll be soon come. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Recommended by yours truly. <laughs> um, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? I'd imagine this would be somewhere in New Zealand. Uh, yeah, Burwood, Christchurch. Yeah, no, shout out to all the boys. Shout out to all the boys. Uh, Favourite cuisine? Uh, roast dinner, homemade roast dinner. Oh right yeah, I'd love that. Uh, favourite exercise in the gym or your favourite muscle group to work out? Oh, oh, the triceps and yeah, no, uh, uh, the cable yeah. machine. Triceps, oh, I love pull down. Yeah, 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 love it. Yeah. <laughs> what makes you smile? <laughs> Monday morning's pitch side podcast. Oh. I was hoping you were going to say something else. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, what? An hour and a half with me. What more could you want? Dream job. Art. Um, mate, rugby commentary. Yeah. Like that. What quote do you try and live by? Um, what's the one where it's like... Um, Oh, what's the one where it's like, you know, if you if you don't take any shots, you're not going you to... You miss you 100% miss. of the shots so you like, don't take. I don't live by that word by word, but like, I think to myself, if you don't take it... Yeah. If, if what's worse, like we said, it worse yeah, what's worse, worse can happen. It doesn't happen, doesn't so happen. just yeah, try exactly, it. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's important. And last one, whose advice would you always listen to? Um... <laughs> Definitely not you. Yeah. <laughs> No. Uh, um, well, so what? Either yeah, either my closest mates or or yeah, parents, mother, mum and dad. I reckon they know me pretty well. Lovely. Yeah. yeah lovely. I'm not a bad group of questions, Zach. Yeah, I don't know. I thought they were quite. Yeah. I thought they were no, quite. Kids. Nice. Yeah. I rate it. Is there anything you want to touch base on? I know you're. I know you're big into your. Conspiracy theories on your doc. You no, watch I, a lot of documentaries. There's no truth in that. I'm not big into my conspiracy. Oh really? Theories. I just watch a lot of documentaries. Oh, okay, so we've just learned. That I you're don't. Just I don't, a nerd about no, I don't believe. I do get quite nerdy about a few things. I don't believe in them. I just find them interesting and I like watching them. But most of them are complete bullshit. Obviously. Okay. Um, but the pyramids one, yeah, that's. That's a big one for me. My other, my other one was uh, in-store online shopping. Would you like Cheltenham, for example, lovely place when it's open? Would you yeah. like a nice Saturday morning walk through the high street? I do. Grab a nice takeaway coffee and have a little browse? Oh, I do. I, yeah, I I'm with that. you on that, massively. Also, I think I think just the idea of a high street is quite nice. Yeah. And I wouldn't want to see that get taken no, away. No, The I convenience of online shopping is unbelievable. But yeah, I love a, love a little straw. Also, you cannot beat being in store and trying something on in-store. Mm. You know, sizing difficult, you know. For a bloke of your stature as well. Not, I, I'm just saying, it's hard to get... So as you buy oversized clothes, difficult to find what fits. Well, it must, what be, I mean, it must be hard for you because you've got a shopping child section. So, um. <laughs> Do you know what? I was going to be really nice to you then and be like, oh no, Jules is actually just a tall bloke. Like, he doesn't got a weird body shape. Like If you saw him in, in life, you'd see he's shaped like a Christmas tree. But I'm not going to say <laughs> that. So, uh, yeah, fine. Sleep in a not going to hold box, me. Hold me punches. Um... And yeah, sorry, anything else you want to No, nope, that's it. I know what boring personality you are, so I don't yeah. need to know any of these questions. It's absolutely fine. Quite dull as a yeah. human being. Um, I mean, dream job is obvious. I mean, yeah. both of us have, have mm. the same kind of thing. Yeah. Um, my right. only difference would probably be presenter. Just a word, actually, quickly, just going back to the high street shopping thing. When you are trying on clothes and stuff like that, yeah. one thing I think 
shops could do, which would make them cut their customers more satisfied or buy more products, is improve the lighting in their changing rooms to make it more forgiving. One place that is ex- is a prime example of that is Hollister. Have you ever been to Hollister in store? I've been. To, I think I went to the one in Exeter. It's like it's like a nightclub in there. Honestly, it's mm. like it's, so they have it so dark and so dim, and there's always someone at the door. Hey, how are you? Can I? What can I help you? Can I help you get anything? No, thank you. I'm just I'm just having a look. Thanks, I'm fine. A couple minutes later, you go and you're trying to like fool around the shop because you can't see anything. And then you get in, you do, you find something you want, and then before you turn around, there's someone there. You don't turn that on. Can I get in that another side or anything? No, just let me go into the store and I'll try it. But yeah, I agree with you. Um, Tolist is awful for it. Uh, one, I am gutted that Top Man's off the high street now because Top Man are now joined I, ASOS online. I haven't been to a Top Man in about oh. five years, so that's, that's you're, that, you're on that. Yeah, Philip Green, I'm, 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 I'm not the biggest fan of him as a person, so. Okay, well, fair enough. Okay, on to the next bit of the podcast. This week's. Premiership rugby was, as ever, enthralling, edge of the seat. There was results all around the ground. Some we probably saw coming, some we definitely didn't. Friday night was one of those no one probably saw coming. Do you want to start us off, give us your initial feedback? I will, I will start us off. I mean, look, the changing point in this game, obviously the Yendel red card, mm-hmm. um, it, it is a sending off. It, I mean, the thing is, is that you, ha- you do have to consider mitigating factors in the sense that the player he is clearing out is being dragged at back once again it's a lot like the um the Fergus the Ferguson one in the in the Scotland Wales game but it is a red card it's shoulder direct to the head the referee has no has no choice in that situation he's just following uh the guidelines that he's meant to stick to I thought Chiefs were okay I don't think they were particularly great that's two losses on the bounce now having lost the Saints uh, previously but I thought they were far better in this game than they were in the one last weekend uh Cordero Magic. Jeez. I mean, that boy, what a try. Oh, something in the Argentinian blood about yeah, Cordero. That's family. just a bit of South American flair for Absolute you. Absolute fire. Seth um, Simmons, once again, was, was superb, but Sell, in the end, made the most of the extra man, and I thought that they'd be very happy walking around with a victory like that. Absolute scenes at the end. Um, yeah. Incredible late, late drama. Um, but Chiefs were complaining at the end. I don't really think we have any thing to complain about um, because we, it was our opportunity to win the game we didn't take it so 25-20 was yeah, the score in the, end, yeah. the 80th minute Chiefs are on their own line uh, win a turnover kick up to the halfway line with another penalty go all the way down mm-hmm. to their inside sale 22 clocks well into the red at this point um, and you're starting to think surely not this isn't going to be another classic Chiefs Fergie style esque moment and yeah, line-out goes up. I think it's Simmons goes up in the air, I think. Yeah. And the complaint was the sale prop had, or it might have been Ross Harrison, come over into the middle line-out and knocked yeah. Simmons in the air, which caused him <coughs> to drop the ball. But if you watch it, Simmons actually drops the ball before exactly. the contact's exactly. made. So I'm not so sure. E- even as a Chiefs fan, at that point, you yeah. just go, no, there's nothing wrong with what's Clutching the straws a little but, bit. But, you know, like you just said, you thought it's going to be another Chief. Uh, Chiefs going to pull this off, and if there was any team in the league, I would back to pull it off in that moment. It would mm-hmm. be it would be us, but couldn't yeah. get it done in the end. Um, mention on young Curtis Langdon, hooker. Yeah, exceptional. Fantastic. Scored a great yeah. try off great the back try. of more. Uh, he was quality, um, and also uh, the Sam Simmons try as well. Well, I mean, Twelve tries to rack it up in now. eleven Premiership games. He is hunting down the record. I think the Christian record is Wade, isn't it? seventeen. I want to say. Is instance. it Christian Wade? I think it is. Or was it um, Quaid? I think it's. I think it's Wade in seventeen. I know Waldron got fifteen one year as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the man is. He knows where the line is. It's safe to say that. 
Um, Joe Simmons, quiet. Yeah, quiet. Yeah. But yeah. He's allowed he's to have fine. a different I'm not, He's allowed to have a different yeah. form. He doesn't have to be 10 yeah. out of 10 every single week. Yeah, agreed. Uh, that was Friday night. Saturday, we went to the early kickoff up to Aston Gate in West Country, where Bristol did a job over the Tigers. They did, but it wasn't the most convincing of wins that they no. had over, uh, this season. Um, but, you know, they were they were good enough to, to yeah. get over against a, a lesser side who are in a good little bit of form. Yeah, uh, they got the win 17 points to three at Ashton Gate. Pat Lamb's men put behind them the London Irish capitulation from the week before. Piers O'Connor continues his scintillating form. My word, what a uh, England is. qualified, Eddie. Woo! He's England qualified. He and yeah, and Will Capon, hooker, who Bristol's pack looks really strong. Driving more is very good facet of their game they've got together. So they won that one over Tigers, who had a few relatively new faces. Uh, Juan Bonat. Juan. Okay, 10. Juan Diaz Bonilla, I want to say. Royal will know what it is, he'll tell me. Um, he played quite well. He'll know what it is for sure. Um, that's if he's alive. If he's if he's yeah, awake, he's awake yeah, yeah, recovered. Night, yeah. um, some shocking no, antics. Night, some before. shocking antics of the weekend from Royal. He'll be disappointed in himself. Anyway, that was Ashton Gate up to Newcastle. They end Quinn's wow. five game winning run. I definitely what a didn't see that coming. I mean, Newcastle have been okay, but Harlequins have been much much better. Yeah. Four in the spin, I think they were. No, five on the spin. Five on the spin leading into this one. Yeah, yeah. Third in the table. Um, yeah, and both teams scored three tries. Quinn's made a lot of changes. Yeah, huge they amount. Dropped Don Brandt, Kerr, uh, moved March into the wing, dropped Louis Liner. So yeah, they made a few changes. Kerr came on at the end. He came, he came, he came in the yeah. 46th minute, 46th quite early minute, in the yeah, second yeah. half. Um, but yeah, Newcastle just turned up, played really well. They did. Um, 22 all. Uh, going into the final minutes of the game and late controversy surrounding a penalty awarded to Falcons to do with Luther Burrell's leading arm. Yeah. Um, now, we oh, which game was it? Who got the red card for the leading arm in the Bath? Was it the Bath? Um, oh, Mike, the game? Mike Williams. Mike Williams. Difficult referees decided that his arm is, is tucked in, is always tucked in enough for it, uh, for, for him, A, to win the penalty and for it to not be overturned. Okay. And... Falcons knock it over, three point victory. Easy. Great win for that. Cruzy. And they've yeah. been are they been good this season, Newcastle, I think. They've got think. um they've got Dean Richards up there at the helm. Nick Easter's there as one of his support staff. Um Dar Dave Walders up there as well. They've got a good little coaching setup. Never ever an easy place to go and play. Yeah. As you know, Chiefs fan, Chiefs struggled up there. Yeah, it's a good dogged game. Yeah. Um so yeah, Newcastle at home, they they do make that place a tough place to win. So they'll be chuffed with that. Wasps London Irish. London Irish went to the Rico. I didn't see this. Well, actually, on what happened from last week, you'd say maybe it was coming. But Wasps mm. at home will be disappointed with this one. Um, Irish went there 16-10. They came away with a win. Wasps got a losing bonus point. It's another loss for Wasps. Yeah, but there's a bit of a concern Lee now. Man, I mean, he will be concerned with the form. Only scored 13 points in two games. Yeah, That's, it, that is a worry. Well, which is interesting comparing them to last season where they were scoring points for fun. At, at well, points. I mean, on paper, that, that back line, Minotzi, Kibarigi, Fekito when he's fit, Jacob Umunga, Dan Robson when he's back, it's electric. And I know that some Got boys... as well. Some, yeah, yeah, exactly, the veteran. Um, Hassel Collins scored for London Irish. Good, exciting young player. We mentioned... Here's a little tip for you folks, Hassel Collins for uh, England shirt, maybe a few yeah. years' time. Mm-hmm. Exciting. Another London Irish winger, Anthony Watson, yeah. Joe Cockenhauser. Yeah, I mean, the academy is Jonathan Joseph, pretty all efficient. come out of there. Um, and Jonathan Joseph's 
little brother. Yes. Coming through now. Yeah, now. he's starting to show signs of promise. Um, Tom Willis scored for Wasps again. No, he has really filled the berth left by his brother on his injury absence. So he looks like another one to keep an eye on. Athletic, dynamic, similar kind of player to Zach Mercer, actually. Yeah. Who yeah. we will talk about in a minute. We will. Um, but one more game on Saturday was Gloucester Worcester. Finally. How's about it? Finally, Gloucester. Gloucester. Get their first win uh, in eight games, I'm pretty sure. They haven't, till they, since they beat Wasps in the second round. I think First so. win. I think they didn't know it is. Unbelievable for George Skimmington and his side. But if there was anyone they were going to beat, it was going to be Worcester, who have been equally as poor uh, this season. Well, Nick David, brilliant. I've got that Nick David solo try. That is up for try the season contender. And he actually has been sort of a glimmering light in the darkness Mm. of Worcester's sort of start to the season. Um, Worcester had Francois Hohar back. I chucked him back in the fancy team, but quite afternoon for him they're they're missing uh, Duncan Weir and Billy Searle both their first choice tens which is obviously difficult being in such a pivotal position Mm. but I think this in terms of the season although there's no relegation this was a relegation kind of scrap well both teams you know it was uh, 12th v 11th it was so it was right at the bottom Um, Worcester missing out on a losing bonus point by one point um, but Billy Twelve Trees, I think he scored a try, kicked a few goals, still churning out performances somehow. Um, so yeah, that would be delight for George, or more relief for George Givington, I think. I think relief is probably the just best be word for it. Yeah. Thank fuck we got over the line there because if they lost that one, then yeah, you're staring. They're, at the they're both now sitting at the bottom of the table. I think fifteen points apiece, so they're both on fifteen points. I think there's something like, I think they're about twelve points behind Bath, who are in tenth. Yeah. But Bath are only, I've got it written down, Bath are only one win away from going up to sixth. So it just shows the nature of the season this year. Yeah, yeah, between sort of fifth and tenth is all kind of exactly. one game. At well, change. I mean, we see it Saints last weekend. They go to down Stanley Park and, yeah. and beat, oh no, it was, was it Franklin? Got, no, no, it wasn't Stanley Park. Yeah, it was Stanley Park. Yeah. Go to beat the Chiefs, back up to Franklin's Garden, have the first best first half they've probably had all season. <laughs> And then completely capitulate in the second. In. I couldn't believe it. I mean, oh, you were over the moon. I tell you what, one way to get over a hangover is with a bar performance like that. Yeah, exactly. Because, like you say, first 20 minutes, and Northampton were... On fire. Yeah, I mean, some was out. So they were running good. the ball really well. Their pace and their attack, their back line. Ollie Slate home. Um, they had Matt Proctor, who's been really good for them. Signed from the Hurricanes a couple of years ago. He's been quality. Hutchinson... Uh, they just looked like they were they were kind of carving Bath open at will, um, but they 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 had a try disallowed, end of the was it towards the end of the first half or second half, mm. and if that if they'd scored that try they would have gone about sixteen points clear and that probably would have put the game to bed, as it was Bath dug in towards the end of the first half Zach Mercer ploughed over from not very far out, I think it was nineteen ten at half time. and then it was the Reese Priestley show. It was baby that man. Oh, I've actually. I've never really been a massive fan of his until probably the last... <laughs> I don't think very many people No, until been. the last probably 12 months, actually. Yeah. He's probably been one of Bath's, if not Bath's, best player. Off the tee, 31 in a row. Premiership it's record. He I mean, well, him and Joe Simmons must be... Oh, they must be. high in terms of percentage over the Massively. Last. I think he, he took the record for the most ever consecutive kicks in the Premiership. I mean, that is so he hasn't missed great work. early November. So yeah, he's a massive factor. But Zach Mercer, you cannot, cannot underestimate how influential he has been for Bath this season. His 
it's not just how he carries himself, how he carries himself on the pitch. You can see in every break in Pele, he's the one that G's people up. He's the one people look to. Off the pitch, he conducts himself really well. I think for Montpellier, a quality signing. Um, and someone, Absolutely. again, like we said a few weeks ago, probably fallen victim of Eddie Jones' selection policy because he, really, he probably has got the potential to play at international level for a very long time. The way he's playing. Yeah, the way um, he's playing right now, I don't see why yeah. not. So, yeah, i absolutely delighted for Bath. Good to see t- the, uh, Tom Dunn was awesome off the bench. Ben Spencer made that incredible tackle on yeah, Naira Voro. unbelievable um, challenge, yeah. So, yeah, the big, the big names really standing up for Bath and they, they've taken now three on the spin. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Saints will be Good things happening. Uh, down the rack. I'm oh, so chuffed, mate. I've got the um, biggest smile on my face yeah, right yeah, now. So, could, yeah. For people listening at home, if you could have seen the, the look on this man's oh, face yeah. at the end of the match, he was over the moon. So, yeah, uh, Bristol finished the weekend top by six points. Yeah, two uh, second. Like we said, only six points now between second and seventh. And then Bath, if they, if they could, can get a win this weekend against Chiefs. At the rec on Saturday, which, which you won't. Tasty. Which you won't. I, I, I wouldn't count. No, I was looking last night and I was doing a bit of research for this and I saw that it was Bath versus Chiefs. I thought, oh, that's, that's going to be tasty. That's going to be so tasty. That's going to be really nice. So, yeah, um, Premiership, second week in a row, it's been a really, really good weekend. Um, even when Six Nations on, people are still keeping tuned into that. Round 11, yes. we've just had. Yes. Moving into round 12, obviously. Correct. Know your maths. Right now, Bristol, I think, 41 points? I think, I think yeah, six points ahead of the Yeah, six, 41 points, top of, the, top of the table. You've only lost two all season, I think. Do you think they're favourites at the moment? I think they have to be. Yeah. I think especially with Chiefs' slight, ever so little dip in mm. form. Where they, and, and let's just credit Chiefs because this dip in, supposed oh, dip in form. Oh, supposed dip in form. I'm saying, yeah. yeah, sort of quotation marks. That's why, you know, I'm relatively calm. When I talk about you know losing mm. uh, losing this weekend, the the Saints game last weekend, I, I'm not going to get on the back of any of them because I just know that we'll be fine. Mm. And I, you know, I think as an extra fan, you've just got to give them credit for what they've achieved over the last four or five years because this is beyond anyone's sort of wildest dreams if you looked oh, at yeah. things ten years ago. Um, and the team's in a very still in a very solid position. So agreed. So yeah. No um, yeah. So that's going into round twelve. Just hit the halfway point. Round twelve this <clears> weekend. The Bath Chiefs game is probably one of the probably the one to watch this weekend for anyone that can get a chance to watch it. And if you're not watching the Premiership, probably turn your attentions to the other side of the globe. If you can get up early enough. <laughs> Super rugby It all kicked off on Friday. Before we start this, I'm gonna say a big thank you to Rugby Pass for oh, buying, huge. buying yeah. the streaming rights to that. Unbelievable work. Um, Brilliant, really good to actually be able to, for us to be able to get up and actually watch it because it is such a great competition. Uh, kicked off Friday morning our time, 6.05. How rank was that? That was... Worth it though. It was so worth it. Do you know what, actually, I say rank. The aftermath was rank, but the, you no, know, sort of yeah. being tired after it. But actually the initial getting up at 5.40 or whatever was, yeah. I was actually all right. Well worth it. And it was worth it, like you said. We went down to the Forsyth Bar in Dunedin under the roof in the zoo. First game of the season and the reigning champions, once again, Crusaders, 26 13. Uh, it was electric. It started off first five minutes, I think we had a scrap first five minutes. Joe Moody yeah. was. Joe Moody, an unbelievable <laughs> series of events. Couldn't believe it. Slapping, I can't remember who's. Yeah, it was one with the second row, yeah. one of the second rows for the Highlanders. But he's, 
Oh, he's actually done very well because it's clever, so easy. Clever. If he yeah. clenched his fist, he's exactly, got yeah, yeah. But he's gone open palm and he's he's dragged the guy out of the mall, open palm across the top of the head. So fair face to the ref as well, we both said. Yeah. They've just, used a just bit move, of just move on. Yeah, first game yeah. of the season, just boys. Yeah. Five, literally, yeah. I mean I think it was less than five minutes. Could not it, believe it. It was almost yeah. like 180 seconds in or something like that and they're just a full on scrambling on. and yeah. I love that the referees identified that it's so early in the game just calm down yeah they've been itching to play yeah, exactly. and waiting sat watching so yeah they'll, they'll be, that, that'll be that's kind of got seen over as for the actual game Crusaders flew out of the blocks uh, he scored two early tries Cody Taylor uh, Bryn Hall scored that try that's mm, Reese. Yeah. Severis got the ball on the edge how good he's he? just kicked it chipped it back in field perfectly Bryn Hall running a great support line like any good nine does on the inside. I think they went 14-0 up. Uh, and then the Highlanders hit back. Shannon they Frizzell. They looked good, the Highlanders. I thought yeah. Nuggy and his boys. They, uh, Nuggy and the boys. They looked all right. Uh, Shannon Frizzell and the young lad in the wing, Connor Garden Bashup, hit back with a really good try. 14-10 at half-time. Mm. Crusaders lost a man early in the second half to a yellow card. But then Severis dazzled us all once again with that sublime finish in the corner how I mean, the boy is it took a the few... crusaders back line factory just keeps producing oh. isn't it? I mean... can we just rattle through yeah, just the fact that there's seven rooms <laughs> David Avili George Bridge who's not even fit, not yet. Even fit yeah. Will Jordan Josh Mackay Braden Runner was out for the whole season Jack Goodhue I mean the, the list is is mouth watering Richie Wonger who was incredible as well they are definitely going to be exciting as they are every single season. And um, Brody McAllister, uh, the young hooker, came on and scored towards the end as well to give them a bonus point victory down Dunedin, which is actually, although the Highlanders probably not going to be ranked favourites this year by any stretch of imagination, a tough place to go. Very, I thought the Highlanders were tough very good. Tough place to go and win. Yeah, did, I thought they were brilliant. Actually. They'll be gutted that they didn't get more because they had a lot of time yeah. with a lot of ball, a long set of phases in the Crusaders' half, yeah. and they didn't make the most of it, so... But moving over to Wellington, which was in the other game yeah. um, on Saturday, uh, Blues. Blues. Taking a well-deserved victory, yeah. I think, uh, on the balance of play. Uh, but not an easy team to come up against because that Hurricane side is a tasty team. Oh, yeah. and, they looked, and they looked very good for a lot of the game, but uh, the Blues managed to sort of prevail in the end. Yeah, 31-16, the Blues went to the cake tin in Wellington and got a result at Sky Stadium. Um... Out of all the names on that team sheet, you probably wouldn't expect to see Asaf Amur uh, be the one that stole the headlines because he was awesome, wasn't he? He was fantastic, did his job particularly well. Um, and he's really pushing Cody Taylor yeah. and, and Dan Coles for that, yeah. for that shirt. He, um, he epitomises to me the modern day hooker, the way he gets around the park, energy. He's, he's a short lad, but he's massively stacked. He's clearly been doing his bit in the gym because uh, he is he's quick as well. Uh, yeah, the way he bums around. Pace, yeah. yeah. Um, a bit like Jamie George yes underratedly yeah, quick yeah he, he scored twice uh, for the Hurricanes but it was the Blues that took it Dalton Papali'i or Tilly Black putting in an unbelievable performance in my opinion yeah. I thought he was superb Rico Iwani as well putting in a great shift Caleb um, Clark the other one Caleb scored Clark, as well Caleb Clark I kind of completely forgot about Caleb Clark how could I <laughs> so. um, but yeah great win for the Blues and, and I think they're looking pretty good for the rest of the season but it should be interesting next weekend we're going to see as we did last year probably the Crusaders and the Blues being the two sides yeah. that are probably going to go toe to toe yeah good weekend of Altador, um Super Rugby AU glad to have it back it was on as well some really interesting games on that I didn't watch much of the Australian stuff 
But yeah, as rugby as a whole weekend, it was a bumper action-packed weekend, wasn't it? Very it good. Was. It was. Plenty of drama. Plenty. plenty of excitement at the same time. So the final segment for this week's show, as we did last week, which was went down... I say it went down very well. Certain people were happy. Certain people weren't so happy with some of the comments. We won't um, name names, but... <laughs> the unpopular opinions this week, we've had a few more. Uh, Sport-related and in general. Well, we've had two... Huge ones from two people this. here. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, and frankly, we're gonna have, we're gonna put names on them because they're. I have put their names. Okay. On them. Well, you. They won't mind. I don't no, know. Not I mean, the first one I know, Jamie Monks. Uh, he won't mind me calling him out for this because he's been very open and honest about his feelings towards this. And his unpopular opinion is that Tangai Ndombele is a better player and more important than Bruno Fernandez. Um, he's had plenty of abuse. And um, we've had plenty of discussions with him about this decision. Um, just a bit of context, he is obsessed with the French players um, mm-hmm. and the French league. So anyone that comes out there, he seems to think is going to turn to the best player in the world. Um, but I mean, it's a humdinger, isn't it? Bruno, I think he's something like... Well, it, it's very nearly a one-to-one ratio think, in yeah. terms of games and goals and goals assists. Goals and assists, yeah. It's just under, I think it'd probably be something like 0.9. I think it's scary, it's scary stats. Which is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's literally single-handedly taken Man United. He's well, I mean, them. This is the thing, and I think this neck. is why the opinion baffled me so much. Because I've, I've been very open about Bruno Fernandes, is that I don't think he's necessarily a world beater I don't think he's world class and that's just my opinion no. but the, my point is is that if he wasn't in this United team I mean God knows where United would be right now respect for, yeah. for sticking with his opinion a shocker but, and yeah, another but, one from a, a good friend of ours here uh, Fred Wilkinson knows his cricket better than anyone peg but leg. he peg leg himself <laughs> <laughs> so harsh um, sorry Virat Kohli is the most overrated sportsman in the world I don't know how to feel about this because I, I don't think Virat Kohli's form over the last year. Do you want to push it for a year? Yeah. Maybe has been particularly great. And in this test, in this test series against England, he has not necessarily performed. What I, what I would say on that is, in India, he is, you know, he is basically is God. Like well, he, he is Mister India. Exactly. Yeah. So you think India, India sport, and he is the first name that comes to your mind. He. It was obviously captain of India. He's not just test match cricket, but in the short form, well, he, came, one day, he yeah. captains T20. he captains RCB yeah. in the T Twenty in the IPL, and yeah, he he is some of the stuff he's achieved is absolutely outrageous. He is a genius of the game. He's, he's oh, without awesome. a shadow of a doubt, he's been one of the best players over the last ten years. Whether he whether he's the most overrated sportsman, yeah, it's a harsh. It's a massive statement. I think. There are a lot of. Sportsman well, two things. What right. I think there's probably sportsmen. If you really, if you put mind to it, they probably are more overrated. But also, some of the stuff he's achieved, he might have a slight dip in form, like say the last twelve months. But some of the stuff he's achieved is not to be overrated. Like he's he's been like he's x amount of thousands of test runs he's scored. He's been India captain. Captain India. Oh, five years. Oh, five years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's be fair. Since Sachin left, he's basically no, yeah, well, he's yeah. basically been the pillar of that Indian team. He always seems to, apart from this series, he always seems to have the churn out runs anywhere in the continent, which any cricketing pro will tell you is the hardest thing to do: is go from surface to surface and oh, around the globe and consistently. Well, as we've runs. seen in this test series, yeah, um, it's really him, 
Steve Smith and Joe Root have been the three. Yeah. Kane Williamson as well, actually. Yeah, no, all four enough. of them have been around. I think Williamson is probably higher up that list than. No, I'd Kane. say he's underrated. Yeah, I. I, I think this is the thing that I, I don't think he gets enough. No, not yeah. at all. No, but but um, that's that's a discussion for, for another yeah, time. Yeah, no, yeah, no. Um, <clears> so yeah, an interesting one from Fred. I can see why he thinks it, but I'm not sure. But but I mean, you know, Fred, let us know, and I'm sure you will after listening yeah. to this. Why do you think? Virat Kohli is the most overrated sport. Mm. Is it just based off this test right now or is it based off other factors or anything like that? Um, please, please let yeah. us know. So another unpopular opinion that I've got and I hope I get some support out there from, from listeners and, and mate yourself. Uh, people that wear trackies to the pub. Oh. It is something that winds me up so much. I think you're going out to the pub. You don't have to dress nicely but put something else on. You don't walk in there with track, Adidas trackies, ankle socks, and a pair of trainers. It just looks wrong. See, for me, given the environment we're in now, when we were going out to the pub before, before all this happened, in between the lockdowns, the weekend is a chance to actually make yourself look half decent. Yeah, exactly. Get up, yeah. go out with all your mates, and enjoy a nice day out. Yeah. So you could spend your week on campus. Me and you are very soon both wear shorts pretty well, much all year Currently wear both wearing black shorts and white t-shirts. Yeah. Nike shorts and baggy white t-shirts. That is a staple yeah. look pretty much. Exactly. So whether I'm on campus or online, this is basically because it's comfortable is what I wear. So when the weekend comes around, I like the opportunity to put a pair of jeans on, put a nice t-shirt or shirt on and go out and look half decent. You do feel better in yourself. Fresh hair, fresh skin fade, little bit of the old and you're away. People that go out and they like you say, zip up tracksuit tops, trackies, Air Force or Air Maxes are popular. I hate it. I hate it. Just put a bit of effort in. Like, you I've got one friend, anytime. one of my best mates at home, and I won't, I'll say his first name, it's Ted, but I won't say his second name so you guys can start digging. Um, he does it. And okay. he'll turn up to my house. If he's coming to mine, he'll come to mine first and then we'll go to the park. I will literally say to him, what are you wearing? And he'll be like, just trackies, might put something else on. Put something else on. Like, it's embarrassing. You're going to a pub. Like, not on McDonald's. Like, it's... Yeah, it's, yeah that's fair enough. Yeah, I get it. Sure. I respect that. But a few good ones, haven't we? We did have a few yeah. good ones. Anyway, that was the unpopular opinion section. Um, and for anyone that has listened today, thank you so much for listening. We've had a great time um, ranting about plenty of things, such as VAR and the state of people's clothing in the pub. Um... <laughs> Sam, any final words, mate? Just want to say a massive thank you. Been a pleasure as always, mate. Pleasure's all mine. Never a chore. Thanks for listening, everyone. Get in touch on the Twitter page if you've got any burning or popular opinions. And a word on our social media, we will be starting an Instagram page over the next week before the fifth episode come out, comes out. Um, so if you could head, o- head over to there too uh, at the Pitchside Podcast, we would be very grateful if you could give us a follow. Thank you very much for listening. Have a lovely Cheers, week. Cheers, guys. Bye.